0: As we move into this next section, we get to learn about a new function. I'm sure you're very excited. But first, I have a story to tell. And it's uh, very popular amongst us math instructors. And you might have heard a variation of it. But it goes something like this. Somewhere in, back in time, in the middle of Persia, there was a man who did this wonderful thing and saved the land, something like maybe he saved the Shah's daughter from drowning or something like that. The Shah, who was in charge of all the people of this land, wanted to offer him something in gratitude. And he said, whatever you want, you just ask for it. And the man, being clever, said, well, I'm a simple man of simple needs. All I ask is to have enough wheat to feed my family for the rest of our lives. And so he said, if you could just take two grains of wheat and put them on a chessboard like this, and then on the next square of the chessboard put four grains of wheat, double the previous one, and then double that on the next square of the chessboard, and then give me enough wheat that would fill up the chessboard in this fashion all the way to the last square, then that should be plenty for me and my family because we're of simple needs. So the Shah said, oh, this sounds wonderful, I can do that, that's easy, and he sends people off to go and do this for him. and. After a little while later, some of his people come back to him and whisper in his ear, and they start to tell him how much wheat they're going to need. So here's your task. Can you figure out, you're one of the people working for the Shah, how how much wheat you would need just for this last square? Not even the entire chessboard, just this one last square. A chessboard, by the way, has eight rows, like an eight row matrix, and eight columns. So the question is, how much wheat would you need for that last square down there? And when you figure it out, come back and we'll talk about it. Did you get an answer for the number of grains of wheat on this, this last square right here? A lot of people think that it's 2 times 64, which would be 128, or they think that it's 64 squared. Um, That makes sense. It's a square with 64 squares in it. If you start following the pattern, though, you'll see that it's actually much bigger than that. One on the first square, we needed two grains of wheat. On the second square, four grains. Third square, eight grains. And I didn't write it down, but how many would they need on the fourth one? Each time you go up a square, you're doubling the amount of grain, right? So on the fifth square, you would need 32 grains, and so far, you know, it doesn't seem so bad. It seems like it's entirely feasible that they would be able to grant this request. If you look at the pattern, though, the how, knowing how many squares goes, how many grains goes on each square depends on the number of grains on the previous square, doesn't it? Doesn't it? So, if I know how many are on the 63rd square, then I would have no trouble. I would just double that and get the 64th square. I don't know about you, but I, I hope you didn't do this. <laughs> I don't want to go through and multiply from the fifth square down to the 64th square. I don't want to do all that writing, or even use my calculator for it. So I want a formula. So I need to figure out, is there a way to relate the number of the square to the number of grains of wheat? If you look here, the, one, the first square corresponds to two grains of wheat. The second square, four. Third square, eight. Fourth square, 16. Each time you go up, you're multiplying by 2. And so it's actually better if we write this as the repeated multiplication that it is. The previous 2 times 2 is right here, and then we double that. And then the previous 2 times 2 times 2 is here, and then we double that. So we actually have powers of 2, don't we? So we have 2 squared, 2 cubed. 2 to the 4th, 2 to the 5th. That's the first step in figuring out how many would go on the 64 square. Now the next thing to look at is we need to relate this variable, shall we call it x, to this variable, shall we call it g of x for grains of wheat, or we call it w of x for wheat. And we want to relate x to g of x. What's the relationship between the input and the output? you see we always have a base of two and then whatever square we're on that ends up in the exponent doesn't it so the exponent on the base two is actually related to the variable isn't it if you go down to the x square then how many grains of wheat would you need to to the x. g of x equals 2 to the x is called an exponential function. You can probably guess why. It's called exponential because the variable is in the exponent. You might be familiar with the word exponential, thinking about exponential growth people will often misuse the word and say, oh, it grew exponentially, it grew really fast, and they might not necessarily be talking about a strictly exponential function. They might actually be talking about a power function sometimes, and they'll still call it exponential because of the nature of an exponential function, and we're gonna look at that um, very soon. So, in fact, right now, even though the fifth square only needs 32 grains, and the next one would be 64, and the next one would be 128, and the next one would be 256, and so on, even though it, all of those seem like perfectly reasonable numbers, when you get high enough up to get to getting to that 64th square, you've got 2 to the 64 power. If you take 2 to the 64 on your calculator, you're going to get a very large number. In scientific notation, it's approximately times, I believe, 10 to the 19th, yeah. And just out of interest, if you think about, you know, the grain all being about the same size, it would take the United States in its production level right now about 1,000 years to produce enough grain just for the 64th square, not to mention all the other ones added up. So uh, that's a lot of grain. (laughs) That's a lot of wheat. And the legend is that for making fun of the Shah and making him look um, bad in front of all the people, this man uh, suffered a not-so-happy end to the story. But um, anyway, it's a good story for getting the point across about exponential functions and how quickly they grow. Now, if we'd like to look at a graph, When we had one square, the output was two grains of wheat. And on the second square, the output was four grains. On the third square, we're up to eight. On the fourth square, way up to 16. And what about the zeroth square? Does that make sense in this problem? We don't really have a 0 square on the chessboard. But if you look at the actual formula, g of x equals 2 to the x, it would be nice if we had a value for g of 0. And you might recall 2 to the 0 is actually equal to 1. And you might also recall why 2 to the 0 needs to equal 1. If you follow the pattern 2 to the fourth 2 cubed, 2 squared, 2 to the 1st. When you go down in exponents, you're dividing by 2, aren't you? 16, 8, 4, 2. 2 to the 1st going down to 2 to the 0, we must also divide by a factor of 2 then. So 2 to the 1st down to 2 to the 0, which would be up here somewhere, 2 divided by 2 is 1. So that's why 2 to the 0 needs to equal 1. And that's why this exponential graph has a y-intercept, 0, comma. 1. Now we can also hopefully, right, we'd like to be able to think about negative values for our x's whenever possible as well, so we could also ask about g of negative 1. And for the same reason that 2 to the 0 equals 1, 2 to the negative 1 needs to equal 1 divided by 2 again. So if you think about the pattern you have 2 squared is 4, 2 cubed is 8, 2 to the first is 2, 2 to the 0 needs to be 2 divided by 2, which is 1, and 2 to the negative 1 needs to be 1 divided by 2, which is a half. And I know you know this, but just in case you ever need to explain why to somebody, there's a reason. 2 to the negative 1 is a half. 2 to the negative 2 would be g of negative 2, and the negative exponent means 1 over, and then the 2 squared gives us 4. So we have 1 fourth. So I'm just building some more points for my graph. When x is negative 1, y is, ne- is positive 1 half. And when x is negative 2, y is positive 1 quarter. And can this function ever be negative? Let me write it up again. g of x equals 2 to the x can the outputs of this function ever be negative? For that matter, can the outputs of this function ever be 0? 2 to a power, it'll never quite be 0. It'll actually approach the line y equals 0 as a horizontal asymptote on this side of the graph. So the graph actually comes down like this, and just kind of hugs the x-axis, and then goes up exponentially meaning really fast, to the left. Now, technically, exponentially means you've got some base with a variable in the exponent. That's really what exponential means. But we often use it um, with slangs, I suppose. There can be math slang as meaning really fast growth. So we have really fast growth here. We can see it with our function f of x or g of x or y equals 2 to the x. And if you imagine going to the 64th square and looking up at the graph, you can see that it's way up there in the sky, isn't it? So it would be a very large amount of wheat that you would need looking at the graph as well.